And we're rolling. Hello, everybody. You thought you could get rid of us? It's Braden and Drew. And we're back. For our first episode. Big picture episode. We're going to be going over everything that will be covered over the next few months. We're obviously going to go into less detail, but we're going to try and give you an overview. Yeah, it's going to be sort of every little piece of the pie. That and we're going to put the pie to together. Them. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like the web example that I used in the teaser. Except it's a pie. Yeah, now it's a pie because pie is cooler. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be going over setting goals, self-control, time, value of money, understanding debt, and tracking your money because you need to know how to do all of those if you're going to be rich one day. Yeah. And so the first thing you need to ask yourself is why you're doing this, right? Why is this important to you? Why are you here listening to this podcast right now? I mean, even if it's your long-term goal, can it be rich? You know, they always say smart goals. I mean, to be rich is not a very specific, measurable, accurate... Something else. Time-based, I don't know. But Real you have estate. to kind of understand what you want, right? Do you want to pay off your student loan debt? Do you want to put yourself in a good position for retirement? Are you later in life and you want to save for retirement? You don't have much saved right now and you're getting a little worried. What do you want from this? Right. I mean, we'll have individual episodes for everything that you want to need to know in every part of life. We'll have an episode on retirement, on student debt. We're going to get into all that as the podcast gets going. But the first thing you need to know is why you're doing this, what this means to you. That's where where goals come into play. Your goal should be something you know can be achievable. So it's exactly like paying off your student debt, getting a good retirement fund. That should be your goal. It shouldn't just be something like getting rich. I know I was saying that earlier, but being rich is more than just getting a bunch of money. You have to have a specific goal in mind. It's just like a stepladder. Right. There, there's no get rich quick scheme in finance. I can tell you that right now. I mean, everyone says, oh, take my course, do this, and I can make you rich. That's just not how it works. I mean, it just isn't. You have to have a goal because a goal motivates you, right? Your goal can't just be to get rich or else you never will because it has to be realistic and it has to mean something to you saying, I'm going to be rich. It doesn't mean anything to you, right? Paying off your student debt, that means something. That means getting the full value out of your education. That means not having to have that constantly hang over you. That means something. Getting rich doesn't mean anything. It just doesn't. And so one thing that a good goal allows you to have is it allows you to have self-control. It helps you with self-control because you think, oh, it's okay if I go over a little bit over and get an Alexa or something, something fun, something that you don't really need. I mean, maybe you do need an Alexa. I I need an Alexa now. I, I can't live without it anymore. But it's something to keep you in check when you say, oh, I can go $20 over buying this cool speaker, right? Something cool that you want. It keeps you in check. It keeps you in line. Exactly. That's sort of where self-control comes into play because what's a goal without self-control? You need to get there somehow. That actually rhymes. What's a goal without self-control? Can we patent that or something? I don't know. I don't know how that works. (laughs) Uh, We'll have to do some research on that. Maybe we can make an episode on it. Yeah. They go hand in hand. You have to have a goal in order to have good self-control and you have to have good self-control to achieve your goal. So it all starts there. It all starts at the goal, right? Why are you doing this? And we've already mentioned a few, pay off your student debt, but even more than that, you need to have a time frame. It doesn't mean anything without a time frame, because then that allows you to say, oh, I'll take a little bit over this month and next month I'll put extra. But we all know you won't put extra in there. You have to keep yourself to it. Yeah. I mean, and I know it can be kind of daunting. A lot of people see the word time frame when they're like, oh, I need to have everything planned out for the next 10, 20 years. But that's really not the case. You just need to sort of have have a generalized, not any specific time, but sort of like 
in the next five years, I want to get here. In the next five years, I want to get here. By retirement, I want to get to this place. And and as long as you can control yourself along the way, you're going to get there. Right. What's that um, quote that's over cliched? A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step or something. Mm -hmm. They always have that cliched. Don't psych yourself out before the first step. Yeah. So you got to keep it going. And in order to have good self-control, what does that mean, self-control? Self-control means a budget. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what a budget is. A budget keeps you on track for your goals. So as we said, you need to have good goals in order to have a good budget. And you also need to have a good budget in order to keep track of your goals. So what does a budget mean? A budget means you allocate specific money for specific purchases, right? Maybe you have a rent. I mean, hopefully you have a rent or a mortgage or something like that. You know, you have rent, you have a car bill, you have food, clothing, housing, all your needs, right? Your needs are in one section. And then you have your wants, right? You know, new clothing. I mean, everyone needs clothing, but... Not designer clothing, though. You don't need that. You don't need that. But you also don't need a bunch of different outfits either. You know, I mean, it doesn't have to be designer clothing. If you already have 15 hoodies, you don't need another one. But that could be part of your clothing budget. Hoodies are pretty cool, though. I mean, I know someone who shops on... Amazon a lot for some That's champion hoodies. Not me, of course. No, it would never be him. Never, definitely not my co-host on this finance podcast. <laughs> of course not. It was a really comfy hoodie. Anyway, well, it's pretty. It's pretty interesting because it, psychology. It's just psychology, right? You say, "Oh, I'll I'll save what I have left over." When you have that kind of mindset, when you say, "Oh, I'll save what I what I have left over after I do all my spending," it never works out because you'll always increase your spending. You'll say, "Oh, I have this amount of money." You never set aside any for saving after you've already spent. You never do. It's just psychology. So what you need to do is you need to save before you spend. You have to put the money aside first. And a lot of that comes in direct withdrawals from your paycheck. Like if you have a 401k, a lot of times they'll take that money straight out of your paycheck. Even something as taxes, which I know that's not your money, but that gets taken out of your paycheck immediately. You kind of have to do that sort of thing. So you don't even consider that money. You just forget that money's there, right? That money never even crossed your mind. It just was, it was never there to begin with, right? And even if you don't have something that comes straight out of your paycheck, you can still do something fairly similar, right? I work at Walmart, you know, I mean, I'm, we're both 17. So this, this podcast is somewhat geared toward younger people because we, we know a little bit about that. Just, just a bit. But it can it can really work for anyone, which is why personal finance is ubiquitous and which is why we wanted to start something on this because we do know quite a bit about it. I work at Walmart. What I do is I ha- I manage a small portfolio for my parents that I take out of my own money. And what I do is I just set up a recurring investment, right? This is one of the great things that we've seen over the past 15 years is we've seen the democratization of investing. Right, anyone can set up a brokerage account, but we'll get to that a little bit in our one of our future episodes. But the whole point of that is, or even later into this episode, um, is I just set up a recurring investment that recurs, like the day I get my paycheck or the day after I get my paycheck, and that money just gets set aside. So I don't even think about that when I have spending money. Right, that's already saved. That's gone. I never had that to begin with. Right. So then I just take what I have left over. And then prioritize it based on my needs and my wants. But you have to set aside before you even do anything else or you'll never save anything. It's just human nature. It's not your fault, right? Don't beat yourself up over it. It's not your fault. It's not my fault. Some things are, but that's not one of them. 
but it's just human nature and you can't beat yourself up over that, but you have to have self-control to set that money aside. It's a little easier than saving what you have left over because you see it countless times. Saving what you have left over never works. But if you set it aside beforehand, you have more of a likelihood of success and it becomes a lot easier. Yeah. And it's really not all going to happen at once. A lot of people are actually the opposite of what we're talking about here. A lot of people, instead of spending it on, you know, designer clothing, random wants that they have, they'll actually throw it all into investments and they expect to get rich in one day. And it's really not, that's really not how it works. Uh, the stock market is, is, a, is a game of time. You have to play it out. You have to be in it for the long haul. And eventually you will get there. Compound interest is one of those things that's slow in the beginning because there's not as much money there. But as it grows, it grows faster. And you just have to have trust in that. And eventually you'll get to a million. And once you get to a million, it's all... Greener pastures are ahead. Yeah, it's just, it's a game, right? You, you want to start slow. You, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Right. And you can't become a millionaire in a day either. You can try, but it won't work. So you just have to start small. You have to take slow little steps. Right. I always advise um, spend what you normally spend in a month. Track all of that. And we'll get to that a little bit later. And then start to make slow steps towards decreasing your spending and increasing your saving. Right. You're not just going to immediately start saving 20 percent of your income. That's just not going to work. It takes slow steps. People may even do that and then they don't see the results immediately and then they quit, right? You have to have long-term, a long-term mindset. You have to think long-term, which kind of gets into our next point here about the time value of money because you have to think long-term because it's not going to happen in a day. And those who think it's going to happen in a day are going to get burnt out very quickly. There's an old-fashioned mindset where you need to save everything you have. I know my grandpa, he used to talk about his parents, how they would literally save every penny. They would scrape all they had, and they wouldn't use they wouldn't use it for everything. And I think that's that mindset is ignoring a very important aspect of today's economy, and that's inflation. The fact that a dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow. So if you just if you keep if you hoard your money, in ten years it's going to be worth less than it is today. Yeah, you always you have to own assets. You can't own things, right? You, things don't make you money. Believe me, my couch does not make me any money. I wish it did because I sit there quite often. It doesn't make make me any money. My Alexa doesn't, but it allows me to drop in places. That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool, but it doesn't make me any money. And right, neither does money in the, neither does money in the mattress. You have to have your money work for you to make more than what it would if it were just sitting in a mattress because by inflation you will have less and then you'll also be missing that opportunity cost which is what you give up for doing something right if you leave it in a mattress you're foregoing like we said in the teaser that 10 percent annual return from putting in the stock market so you're not only losing money to inflation but you're not gaining what you potentially would from putting it in the stock market and in economics that's actually they actually take that into account and that's actually a loss yeah. So, I mean, you have to you have to make your money work for you. I know that's the most cliche thing ever, but it's, it's true. It really is. There's a reason a lot of things are cliche and it's because they're true, right? You have to own assets, not things, and you have to use compound interest, right? And like we said, compound interest may seem slow, right? We talk about my teaser example. Where if, you in, if you're the average person who makes 36000 a year and you invest 15% of your pre-tax earnings for a 7% return, you'll be a millionaire in 40 years, right? Everybody's like, 40 years? I have to wait 40 years for that? I have to, if I start investing at 22, I have to wait till I'm 62? 
no, this is ridiculous. One star review. This podcast sucks. I'm moving on. This is terrible. Right. But it's it's not a get rich quick scheme. Right? And you have to realize how much money a million dollars is. That's a lot of money and it takes a while to get there. But it's worth it because you have to remember that's not just your money. That that's your that's your heirs money. That that's for your kids, that's for your grandkids, that's for anyone who may follow you, anyone who needs help from you. That's their money too. You're building up something for them. And then again, it doesn't even stop at a million. Leave it in and it keeps growing. Keeps growing faster the bigger it gets. Yeah, and a lot of times you'll have so much money invested that even when you stopped working in retirement, you'll still be making money because your investments will grow faster than you spend money. So it's not just you retire and then you use all the a million dollars and it's gone. It's evaporated poof, right? It's not just over. It doesn't just disappear when you're done. That That's your legacy, that thing that gets passed on. It's all about that snowball effect, right? You roll a snowball down a hill. You always see it in the cartoons. And that snowball gets bigger and bigger and bigger before it reaches the bottom, right? But there doesn't have to be a bottom here. The snowball can just keep rolling forever until the sun becomes a red giant and we all die. Good times. But, no, seriously, though. I mean, you can use your money, and it doesn't have to go away. It can just keep growing and growing, right? And if you leave it the a million dollars for another 40 years, right, you're not just going to get another million. You're going to get tens of millions from that. If you leave it, if your kids leave it in, if you teach your kids how to invest and they keep that going, right, that legacy, that becomes even more money and it just snowballs over time. That's why the biggest thing is you have to think long term and you have to think about that snowball. Now, Braden, here we are glorifying this compound interest. Of course, it's a beautiful thing, Mm -hmm. but there are certain scenarios where it can work against you. Oh, can it? It can work against you. And that's the glorious thing known as debt, right? I watched this interesting video. I don't know if you've seen it on YouTube. It has like 20 million views. It's from Ray Dalio. And it's how the economy works. And it really proposes a method that credit drives the economy, right? Where you take on debt to buy something, right? Whether it's a house, it could be a tractor. If you're on a farm, you need an tractor to increase your efficiency, a house, a car, any of that. You take on debt and you get that money and you spend it, right? So that increases your consumption, right? Think about a straight line going up, right? A line going up like a parabola almost, right? But then you kind of get that debt as you have to repay that debt. It kind of depresses your spending, until you pay it all off and you're back where you were before. That's kind of the credit cycle. But that credit cycle can take advantage of you, right? If you let that debt, like one of the most common examples is credit card debt. People have trillions of credit card debt in this country because they don't know how to use credit cards. Credit cards can work for you if you don't know how to do it. I'm not going to be Dave Ramsey over here. I'm not going to say credit cards are the devil. You can never use credit cards. But that works a lot for his audience because a lot of his audience is people who don't know how to manage their money, right? And he's trying to teach them how to manage their money, but he's afraid that if he doesn't say that credit cards are the devil, then they're going to try and use them and get caught. He's just wrong. Dave, don't hurt us. (laughs) But credit cards... They can get you, right? That 20% interest, that 21% interest, that also snowballs, right? If you have $10 in credit card debt, ooh, that's scary, I know, $10. But if you have $10 in credit card debt, and it has a 20% interest rate, because credit card interest rate is some of the craziest in the country, and you have 20% interest rate, then all of a sudden your 20% on your $10 is $12, 
right? Because it gets added to the 10. That's your principal, your 10. Your interest is the $2. It gets added together, and 12 is your new principal. Oh, no. Right? Then you have 20% on those $12, right? And that becomes even more. Where before, you owed $2 in interest. He did just pull out his calculator, I definitely didn't. Now... You owe two dollars and forty cents in interest. So that's fourteen forty. It's a bit more than ten. And so yeah, that's that's basically that's the evil that the compound interest effect can have. And a lot of people don't realize that. A lot of people go out, they buy whatever they want using credit cards. Ooh, I have a five thousand dollar credit limit. That's amazing. I'm gonna go buy, I don't know, a fridge. People buy fridges, right? People do buy fridges. And then are they buy a fridge? They're like, Oh, I don't need to worry about that. The credit card company's got it for me. Yeah, right. I mean People just pay their minimum int- their minimum on their credit balance to keep the credit card open, and they think that's it, right? They did it. They paid their credit card off. No. Credit cards have some of the highest interest rates in the country, more than mortgage the, sometimes debt. Sometimes more than the stock market. Car even. loans. Oh, yeah. But most of the time, more than 10%. Credit card loans, I think they read the average was 16 to 18%. That's a lot. So you're paying your, mi- your minimum credit balance, which is maybe 5%, right? And that difference keeps growing, right? You pay your minimum, but your interest becomes more than what you paid off. So you're actually losing money because that interest keeps snowballing while you only keep paying the minimum. And that piles up on you, right? The snowball is a great thing, but you may be at the bottom of the hill. Now, and this is where, once again, it comes hand in hand with self-control. Yeah, you got to pay. You got to learn how to pay more than your interest rate. You have to learn that it's not just the minimum balance. That's not the end of it, right? And that matters for other loans too. You have to prioritize your high interest debt. Like I said, credit cards aren't the devil, but they can be if you don't know how to work with them. A lot of credit cards have great perks, right? I sat down with my family to look at a new credit card, and a lot of credit cards can give you percent back on purchases. You know, they have a Walmart card now that gives you 5% back on Walmart pay for your first year. I used to have a Sam's Club credit card through Synchrony, where at the beginning of the year, they would cut my family a check for $1,000, small loan of $1,000. But no, I mean, seriously, those things can be real. And that comes directly from the credit card. If we'd have just spent cash, we wouldn't have got that, right? That's part of the snowball. But you have to learn to do it right to make sure you're not at the end of the hill. But you also have to understand that there's a risk tolerance to it, too. The average stock market return is 10%. But between 2007 and 2008, the return for that was negative 68%, right? You lost almost two thirds of your money. Now, if you'd have held on to it at the bottom there, you'd be up 400% now. And you'd be swimming. But for those three years, you were in the dumps. Yeah, it's just a trap. And you're thinking, well, I'm not going to do that. That's a trap. But if you'd have just held on, right, if you had a little bit more risk tolerance. Now, now I'm not telling you to be completely risky. We'll get into that a little bit as that's where I'm going here. But if you'd have just held on, you'd be swimming, right? You have to make your money work for you. And you also have to understand that sometimes, and these, this is pretty rare, honestly, you don't have to always pay down your debt, right? My parents are one of those people. They live debt-free. You know, they pay off all their debt no matter what it is, anything like that. It doesn't matter because debt binds you. That's the scary thing about debt. And that's why people always like to pay their debt off. And that's why people make goals like paying off their, their student loan debts, which student loan debts are usually higher than any investment can return. So you usually do want to pay something like that off. But not every debt is worth the opportunity cost, right? We talk about the stock market, right? If you have a mortgage, that's a 4% mortgage over 30 years. But you can make 10% a year with your money in the stock market. 
sometimes you just have to pay your minimum payment and put that money in the stock market instead because that'll make you more than paying off the debt does. But that can be scary. That can be scary because debt does bind you, right? So maybe you aren't that person. Maybe you aren't that. Maybe you are like my parents and you don't want to take that risk. And that's okay. That's, that's the beauty of it. There's no one way to personal finance. It's a verb now, right? If you have a 4% debt, you may put it in the stock market for 10% and technically you would make money. But what if you put it in right at the top in 2007, right before the financial crisis happens and you lose two thirds of it? Then maybe you don't have enough money to pay your debt. Maybe you don't have enough to pay that 4%. And then all of a sudden you put yourself in a hole. I mean, there's a lot of ways personal finance can go. And it's just all about your risk tolerance, what you're willing to do. But the one thing is you should never invest money that you need, right? If you need that 10%, if, if that doesn't make you 10%, then you, should, then, you don't have, then you won't have enough to pay the 4%. If you need to withdraw some of that money to pay your debts, then that's just that's irresponsible. You should always only invest money that you don't need. And a lot of people, they may take that money they don't need and then put it towards that debt. But then you miss out on that 10%. But maybe that's what you want to do because you think that debt binds you, and it does. So it's all about risk tolerance. What was I gonna say? But that's the next important thing. You have to figure out how much money you have, right? Because all of that money that we just talked about, all that money that we just talked about, whether it be... If you have extra money that you want to either pay down your debt or invest some more, you have to figure out where that money is coming from. And that's the importance of tracking your money. You have to have money to know what to do with it, right? If you don't have any money, then you shouldn't be thinking about, should I pay down my 4% mortgage or invest in the 10%, right? If all your money is going towards your needs and your wants, then there's no even reason to have that conversation with yourself. That money has to come from somewhere, so you have to figure out where your money is going. And this is the great thing that I've been talking about. We've seen the democratization of investing and personal finance in general, right? We've seen things. There's money track. There's apps now that you can hook your credit card up to. And it tells you all your purchases, right? There's, there's apps you can connect to to do that. There's also, you know, Acorns, which will take your money and invest, right? It'll round up to the nearest dollar and then invest the rest of that into the stock market. You're really seeing a democratization. So it becomes a lot easier, right? You don't have to sit down and say, oh, I spent $5 at Walmart. I spent $20 at Schnucks. You don't have to do that anymore. It's all automated. So it just makes it even easier for you. Now is the best time that there's ever been to learn how to do stuff like this. And before, when you would have to pay $20 even to initiate a trade, it might not be worth it anymore, right? I mean, if you're paying... If you want to put a $15 position in, but it already costs $20 to make the trade and $20 to sell, right? There, there's no reason to invest that $15. There's just no reason because you're already paying $40 up front. That's what it was like 20 years ago. That's what my dad That's what my dad was telling me about, right? But we've seen this great democratization. Robinhood, an app on your phone. It, it's so easy to set up. It was mind-boggling. It only took 15 minutes. And right, you can buy fractional shares now. You can buy $5 worth of Amazon. You don't have to be Jeff Bezos to buy Amazon stock anymore. You don't. It's just so easy because everything's been democratized because you have these free apps. You have to figure out where your money's going, right? That's why I always say advise a month of just where you spend what you would normally spend, right? You make those impulse purchases, you make those things, and you take a look at it and you think to yourself, wow. 
I'm spending 40% of my budget, 40% of my income on eating out. That's just not, that doesn't need to be that high. That's a want, that's something that's not super important, right? You're not reaching your investing goal because you're spending so much money going out with friends. And you think to yourself, wow, I really shouldn't be spending that money doing that. But you you wouldn't have known that. You'd have had no idea if you hadn't budgeted, right? So you figure out where your money's going and then you figure out, wow, that really shouldn't be there, right? You make a goal, you make a budget. That's the whole point, right? And we'll get into budgeting later on how to compose a good budget in one of our future episodes. But you have to figure out what you're doing and then you just have to take the money and figure out what to do with it, right? You say, okay, restaurants are 40% of my budget. They don't need to be that high. Maybe I want to bring that down to 25 and maybe you want to bring it down slowly, right? There's no reason just to cut your restaurant spending almost in half immediately, but maybe you want to bring that down and then you kind of have that, that, that decision that we talked about earlier. What do you do with the rest of it, right? They're saving, right? You can just put the money aside for a rainy day, which everyone needs to do that, right? You don't need to hoard all your money in your mattress, but you need some. Say you have to replace your roof. That's a lot of money. You need to have some liquidity. That's what that's called. When you have cash on hand ready to deploy, if there's an emergency, right? Your car breaks down, right? You can't sell your investments and then use that money for for your car. That's just not a good idea. You need to have some cash on hand, right? So maybe you say, oh, I'm going to leave it in my cash. I'm going to save it. Maybe I'm going to invest it. Maybe instead of that, maybe I want to put it towards maybe my discretionary, whatever I wanted to buy was only 10%. Maybe that's in my budget. Maybe I can bump that up now. Maybe I'm not spending enough on myself because you do need to have some money to spend on yourself. So you decide, okay, I'm going to spend that on myself. I don't treat myself enough. I need to spend that on myself. But you can't have that discussion if you don't have any money to spend with initially. So that's the whole point of budgeting. Maybe there's something you didn't realize that you can correct. And we're going to help with all of that and much more. So I know you all love listening to Braden talk. But we're going to have to stop there. We're going a little bit over time here. This was just an overview of everything to come. I know that was a lot, but there's more. Don't worry. Always. Always more. Always more. Yep. And so we're definitely going to be hitting these points pretty hard. I know we went over gold, self-control, time value of money, understanding debt, and tracking money. But there's a lot more to that. And we're going to teach you guys all about that next time. Drew out. Am I also not out? Braden's out too.